Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast. My name is Philip, and I am so excited for what you're about to listen to. These are sermons and presentations by young adults and for young adults. If you're visiting in the area, we hope that you join us for Night Church on Friday nights. Or if you're a regular here in Loma Linda, I hope that you'll share this sermon with someone that you love and care about. Now, for the sermon. everybody, if you have your Bibles, whatever you read your Bibles on, I want to invite you to stand to your feet with me. You've been sitting like I've been sitting. And I want you to turn in the first half of the Bible, First Testament, Old Testament, depending on how you were raised. We're going to slide over to, if you're on your devices, to the book of Samuel. First Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to land tonight. First um, Samuel chapter 16, and I'm going to read in your hearing two verses. I think they're going to be on the screen. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, and it says, So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ready with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. We're going to spend the next 25 minutes or so having engaging in what I want to call navigating the in-between. Let us pray. God of the universe, we are so thankful that we have been led into your presence tonight. We're so thankful that we were reminded that you are worthy of our praise, that it is only because of you that we move and breathe and have our being. God, we are weary in our souls. We have labored for these past six days, and we are so thankful that you have given us this seventh one to rest in. And so, God, we just thank you for meeting us here, and we ask that you would give us a word. And God, may this word find soil, and may this soil produce fruit. And we just want our lives, Lord God, to be changed by you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Um, One of my favorite hymns is, uh, the the third verse goes something like this. Um, It's it's Come Thou Fount. Do y'all know that? Can we sing it real quick? Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Yeah, 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 that's it. So pause. Do you see what just happened? In the hymnal, in the Adventist hymnal, hymn number 334, we sing something different. But if you Google it, you will find the original lyrics for this song. And so every time I sing it in public, I just get to that part I stop singing because I want to hear who's in the room. (laughs) That's how I know which version. I know who we are. Um, and 
We'll go to verse two. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. My favorite verse, because this is my story. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering. Why? Because prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts. One more time, here's my heart. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. When the question was asked at the beginning of our time together, if you had a Netflix show named, named for your life this year, what would it be? I wrote two titles, because I'm like that. <laughs> uh, navigating the in-between or Transitions. That's what this year has been for me. And this season um, of the year, we are 30 days away from 2024. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to name that too. <laughs> Just get you all ready for what's happening. This, is, this month has begun exactly the way the last 11 months have been. Something comes up that has me stuck in the in-between. Now, this in-between, theologically, we, we, those of us who spent a little bit of time in the Bible and went to school for it, we, we talk about living in the already but the not yet. And if you are a student of the scriptures, you understand that this entire Bible is one long conversation about liminality. That's the fancy way of talking about the in-between. This time of the year is my son's favorite, partly because I think he was born in December. So birthday is coming. He always looks forward to that. But I, I, I think it also has to do with the fact that it's the most wonderful time of the year. There's a song about it. You heard it? I don't know what it is about us, whether, whether we just, this time of the year, we just get, we're nicer. And I, I lived in the East Coast for a long time, lived in the Caribbean. So we didn't have snow, but we sure enough heard about the songs about snow. But then I moved to New York, 
And um, like Alex was from the Boogie Down Bronx. I lived in the Bronx for a little bit. I lived in Queens. I ran the streets of Manhattan. And I sure enough know, know what Brooklyn was like. Um, it was a great, that was a great city to have Christmas, to, to be in the holidays, right? Um, people were nicer in New York around the holiday season. Um, we still were trying to get to where we're going, but it was still nicer. So the thing about living during this time of the year, we can get caught up in doing the things we do, getting together with family, um, exchanging gifts. We, we sing the songs that talk about um, our belief system, you know, uh, and, 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 and sometimes, depending on where you are chronologically, you start to do that thing of reflecting about what's coming next. The, our story today, uh, let, me, let me, before I get to the story, a couple of questions. How are you doing? Y'all, we're good? Because this last three months have been a hot mess. Are you on the same planet I'm on? No? Are, are we on the same planet? It's been a mess. Right, we started school in October. Um, for those of you who are in school, for those of you who all are working, I'm sorry. Because you no longer have the same kind of rhythms, right? At least with school you go 12 weeks, shift. Well, when you're a real adult, <laughs> you got them two weeks on holiday. <laughs> Pray about it. Because <laughs> you got to work a little bit to get four. Hello, somebody. <laughs> ah, and if they tell you you got to take your time off, lay, but it's Sabbath. But how are you doing? How are you navigating a world that seems to be completely off its rocker? The adults, like, I'm an adult, like a real, real, like, grown, grown, grown person, right? And I'm wondering if you want to ask the same questions I'm asking, because I want to know from the people who are even older than me, have you lost your minds? Why won't you act like adults and make grown-up decisions? Are y'all know what I'm talking about? Because it seems the decisions y'all are making just don't make any sense. Y'all are studying. That's why y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I understand. Y'all trying to get yourselves together. But I know those are the questions that come up for me. Then how are you feeling? My students know I'm always checking in with your feelings. Because you like to shove them into the bottom of your feet and step on them. And then all that has to happen is you get one phone call, one breakup, one bad grade. And all the feelings come to the top and you can't get stuff done. Am I in the room, in the room, in the room? Anybody in the room I'm talking about? So how are you feeling, right? Are you in touch with your feelings? Are you aware of how you're feeling? As I have been navigating this year, I have found myself angry, frustrated, find myself losing my temper like with the quickness. And because I've done a little bit of work, therapy everybody, Turn to your neighbor on your right and say, therapy and Jesus. Turn to your neighbor on your left and say, therapy and Jesus. Hey, highly recommend it. When I spent some time checking in with myself, because I'm paying attention to my feelings, I'm like, why do I want to fight somebody? Why do I want to throw hands? <laughs> why do I want to, like, go pop off the... I want to pop off. Why? And as I sat with myself, I started to realize that a lot of my feelings had to do with grief. And so many times as we're navigating life, 
when we are not willing to name how we're feeling, we have complex grief we're trying to process and think through. We have unprocessed grief that we have not dealt with, stuff from our childhood, stuff from undergrad, stuff on the job, stuff with your family. But we're showing up, and we do it real well at church. Happy Sabbath. <laughs> Had a drag down fight before you left the house. Happy Sabbath. <laughs> Worship team. <laughs> all the way in. But inside, because you stuffed all your feelings in the ground. But we have a lot of grief that we need to process and we need to think through. And I think as we're navigating this in between, as we're navigating transitions, I want to invite you to lean into that. So we, we, we land in our story, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I have a lot I need to try to pack into this little bit of time I got with you. So put on your seatbelts and let's go. We are eavesdropping. We are looking over the shoulder of Samuel, the last prophet to the children of Israel, as the kingdom that God has set aside for himself through the promise he made to Abram, who he calls Abraham, you know, the old dude who packed up all his stuff and moved to Canaan with his wife and, and had a baby in there real old, old, because they were old, old, right? I'm old, they were old, old, right? And, and God tells him, I have a promise that I'm going to keep to you. And, and that promise to Abram actually started in the Garden of Eden, right? When our first parents failed the test. You know, that test, the one, will you trust me? And God sets up from the beginning, look, <laughs> the relationship between humanity and the tempter of our souls will be one of warfare always. Uh, he's going to nip at your heel and you're going to smash him at some point. And when you look at the Bible, it's this long story as my, 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 my theological, uh, the guy who I call my Bible teacher right now, Dr. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, says the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. So when you go through the Bible, you will see it's this continuous story told over and over again. And what God is doing is helping humanity navigate the in-between. We are no longer in our garden home. Heaven and earth are not one. So how do you navigate the in-between? God sets a story in motion. So when we jump here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we see that Jesse has been asked by Samuel, the last prophet to Israel, to bring all his sons in so that he can have a meal with them. What Jesse doesn't know is that Samuel's on assignment. He's undercover because the children of Israel rejected him being the last prophet, said they wanted a king. God chooses a king for them named Saul. And Saul did his best. Like, I mean, he really did. He tried. He tried it. Like, he did, right? And, and, and what had happened was he took things into his own hands, and God said, my dude, that's not how it works. When I ask you to do something, do what I said. But he's from a long line of folk who failed the test. Are you with me? Like, this is humans, humanity's problems. We, we keep failing the test, and God keeps coming back and says, I got you, and I have a plan. When Samuel shows up, Samuel can't tell Saul that he's on assignment from the father. Samuel has to show up and tells Jesse and them, look, I'm going to sacrifice with y'all. And Jesse is shooketh when he sees Samuel because he's like, why the prophet here though? Right? You know, like when I, you know how y'all don't like to be called man or woman of God? Because the minute I put God in front of it, y'all be like, ooh, I got to actually walk in that calling? It's like you sons and daughters of God, right? We don't want the reminders. That's what Jesse's doing when he sees Samuel. 
Samuel says, my dude, don't worry. Just, I'm going to come to your house. Bring all your boys. Let's eat. Why is Samuel there? Because Samuel's assignment is to anoint the second king of Israel. Samuel goes down to Judah. He's in the sticks. He's in this little old podunk town called Bethlehem. And when Jesse would all seven of his sons show up for the meal, Samuel's excited because the first boy, Bacor, the Bacor, he walks in the room and your boy is brolic. He's handsome. He walks in, he's tall and everything. And God's like, not him. Then six other sons come. Surely the seventh son is the one. And God goes, no, not him either. And so Samuel says to Jesse, my dude, I thought I asked you to bring on your sons. And Jesse was like, what? I mean, one, two, three. Oh, yeah. uh, Y'all go get David. If you read through the scripture, and I, I promise you, the Bible is one of the sweetest books you could ever read. You want drama? You need to read the word. You want to, you want to see scandal? You need to work. So it seems like David might possibly have not been mothered by the same mama of the other boys. Mm, you, need, you need to go check and see about that. David might have been an outside child. Some of y'all don't know what that means, but that's all right. So David shows up, and notice it says how he's handsome, Right? But why wasn't the handsome one in the house? Because he was with the sheep. He was the least, the last, and the overlooked. So the, so the, the man of God could have come to town for dinner? And everybody doesn't come to dinner? We forget David? And when David walks in, God says, that's the one. Samuel rises up, anoints your boy, and the rest is history. Hey, I hope you've really enjoyed the first part of this sermon. These sort of productions do require some financial giving, and so if you'd like to take part in reaching more young adults across North America and even the world, would you consider giving on praxisministry.org? And there you can sign up and select Praxis Young Adults to be part of our giving campaign. Hope you enjoy the rest of this sermon. old when he's anointed to be the second king of Israel it takes him 15 years before he rules the united kingdom of Israel in those 15 years your boy is Zamar to the king Zamar simply fancy way of saying he would play for the king and the king would throw stuff at him you remember that Not only is he Zamar to the king, he becomes armor bearer to the king because that boy could fight. When Goliath was showing up and talking kind of, you know, David was like, "Mm, ain't nobody going to do something about this boy. (laughs) Saul said, put on my armor. David was like, that's not going to work. Your boy runs out, gets five snows, boom, done. (laughs) What just happened, y'all? Because the anointing was on him. So he moves from Zamar to becoming armor bearer. Next thing you know, they're singing songs. Saul's has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. Your boy is big now. Then he becomes brother-in-law to the king. Are you kidding me? And then he is hunted. He's a fugitive. He's living in caves. 
he even goes down to the Philistines and says, let me, let me hang with y'all for a season. What do we learn from David in the 15 years? How do you navigate the transitions? How do you deal with the in-betweens? Number one, trust the promise. God told him by the process of his anointing that he would be the next king. Regardless of what he went through, it didn't change the fact that he was to be king. Oh, <laughs> but how come we got to go through these kind of problems? The process is the process. That's the second thing. So often we're looking at somebody else's process and we want their process because it looks less problematic. Mind your business. Your process is your process. My process is my process. And here's the deal. If we shared notes, what we would come up with is trust the promise. Trust the promise. Your process is your process. What does David do while he's in the caves of Adullam? You should look at the Psalms. Your boy writes out his pain. Your boy processes his frustration. He puts it to music. And he says, God, are you kidding me? You anointed me. You told me that I would be king. Don't you see these people out here trying to kill me? David doesn't hold it inside and put it under his feet. David goes to God. He says, God, are you going to do something about it? And do you know what happens when David begins to articulate and speak out loud? Not only does he process his trauma and gets it out, he turns to praise. I wish you would read those Psalms and you would see how David begins one way, gets everything off his chest, and then starts going, but God, you something else. <laughs> God, can I tell you how I love you? God, you know, I saw what you did that last time. God, come on. And that's what David does. So one, trust the promise. Two, the process is the process. Three, write your, write, David writes out his songs, his songs. And I want to encourage you to do the same. What is the promise that God gave to you? You all showed up here. I mean, why are you in Southern California? And the Inland Empire of all places. You're not on the coast. You in the, you in the, you in the cut. You in the desert. Why? Because you believe that God called you to do healthcare professional. A lot of you in this room, that's what you said. You said it on your essay. That's what you said. And then somebody said, oh, they sound compelling. Let them in. And then you took your first class. You were like, mm-mm. But here you are because you believe that you are answering a calling. Your calling hasn't changed because your process is terrible. Your calling hasn't changed because you don't like what you're studying. Your process hasn't changed because your professors don't seem to understand that you don't only have 24 hours in a day and they've given you 100 hours worth of work. You're still called. Allow the process to do what it needs to do. Because in David's life, what the process did was turn him into someone who knew to turn to God for everything. He didn't turn to anybody else. 
When you look at David's 15 years, the one person, the two people in his life who make a difference for him are Samuel, his spiritual leader, and Jonathan, who is his brother-in-law, who recognizes the anointing on his life and says, I'm going to get this young man ready to rule. Who are your Samuels? Who are your Jonathans? Who are the people in your life that God has placed there to give you wisdom and counsel and guidance? David wasn't perfect. He was a hot, steamy mess in a long line of hot, steamy messes. Have you met us? Humanity, we are something else. But the reason David gets lifted up to us as an example, when his number one failure, the Bathsheba incident, bring me back, we'll talk about that. And number two, Tamar, his daughter. The difference between the David of Bathsheba and the David of Tamar is found in Psalm 51. Because when the prophet confronts his behind, for all the stuff he did, the sexual assault, the murder, and the cover-up, he repents. When Tamar gets sexually assaulted, he is silent. So I'm not lifting up David as perfect. I'm lifting up David as a type. I'm lifting up David as a, a person we can look at to understand how to navigate the in-between. Trust the promise. Your process is your process. Trust the God of the promise. Identify the people who will help you navigate this season. Because when you read Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. And you know who is in the family tree of Jesus? David. And when you look at Jesus' life, as he is navigating the in-between, he's born to this young woman who is betrothed to somebody else. I mean, what, you know that whole conversation. Have y'all thought about it? So what happened was, I'm pregnant. What? <laughs> By who? The spirit. What? And the Lord had to come talk to her, right? She's a young woman. And when they get, they have this baby, um, as they're preparing to have this baby, we know that the young man, they have to go to get counted. And then as a result of Jesus' birth, the wise men come, and there's a genocide that's performed on all boys up to a certain age. So Jesus has to flee with his family down to Egypt. Come on, y'all. Y'all know your Bibles? Hmm? And then when they come out of Egypt, they go to this backwater, backwoods town called Nazareth. To the point where people are like, can anything good come out of Nazareth, though? A Messiah? For real? Nazareth? Like, have you, have you been to Nazareth? But when you look at the life of Jesus, how does he navigate the time between his birth to his public anointing by the Spirit? I'm glad you asked. He went to temple. He read David's song. When you look in Luke, his crucifixion, when he's on the cross, my God, my God, that's Psalm 22. Jesus knew the Psalms of David. When he would go to temple, he would read the word. Hmm? And while, di while the scriptures do not tell us that Jesus had any mentors spiritually, it does tell us that from his public anointing up to the transfiguration, his heavenly father would show up and be like, you see my boy? That's my boy. That's my boy right there. 
transition is part and parcel of our lives. We are living in the tension of the already but the not yet. And if you and I are serious about following grown-up Jesus, not baby Jesus, like we sing about baby Jesus in December, but we follow grown-up Jesus. Are y'all with me? Are y'all, like I'm serious, like we follow grown-up Jesus, right? If we're serious about responding to the invitation to be an apprentice to Jesus, the only way to navigate the life that you and I are given when we are tested like everybody else in Scripture, trust the promise. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Your process is your process. Trust the God of the promise that he will be with you in your process. Allow the scriptures, just as David wrote them and the sons of Korah and the other psalmists wrote them, just as men of old wrote the scriptures to help us know God's story, The same way that Jesus studied those same scriptures so that he would have understanding of who he was and to help those who would would remain behind him to prepare for the spirit, we also need to be studying those scriptures for ourselves. And what we have that David didn't have in the way that he had it is the spirit of a living God. Because when Jesus left, he said, I'm leaving so that the spirit can come. And the spirit can be everywhere and will give you wisdom and and help you to understand truth. The worship team, the band can come back up. Listen, y'all. Navigating the in-between is hard. I'm going to keep it 100. There's some days I'm like, Jesus, I'm good. I do not want one more test. Thank you. Anybody in the room know what I'm talking about? Lord, can you go test somebody else? Because it feels like you're just on my side of the world. But what has been holding me and continues to hold me is that I'm trusting the promise. One of my promises is Philippians 1.6. I am confident in this, that he who has begun a good work in me is faithful to complete that work. I'm trusting in the promise that if I seek first, Matthew 6, 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, there's nothing I can think of. There's nothing I could desire. There's nothing that I could hope for that he will not add to me. Another promise that I've held on to since childhood, remember God now while you're young, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember thou, let me do the King James, thou thy creator, in the days of your youth, while the evil days come not, and the years nor draw nigh, when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Listen, y'all, we got 30 days before the new year. I don't know what the soundtrack of your life has been. I don't know what the title of your Netflix show is. But I'm sitting in this in-between, and I am not letting Jesus go. I am holding on to the promise that he is with me and on the days when I feel like I'm in Job territory, I'm declaring, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. And on the days when everything is going really well, I'm singing this Nigerian song called Selen saying let go. And the whole idea behind the song, the guy is saying, you know what? In the areas in your life 
where you seem out of control or have no control and you don't understand it, shh, just shh. Lift up your hands and start to praise. That sounds like something David would do. And that's what the word tells us. So, as you go through the next 30 days of this month and you spend time in this most wonderful time of the year, as you shop, as you receive, and as you give, the invitation I want to leave with you is what I've said multiple times tonight. Trust the promise. The God who has called you has not forgotten you. Your process is your process. And in the midst of your process, if you can't write your own psalm, then I want to invite you to turn into the psalms and find the ones that connect with where you are and pour out your heart to God and allow God to take your feelings, your hurt, your pain and give you songs of deliverance and joy and hope. Because any moment now, this Jesus that we sing about, he's going to show up. And when he shows up, I wish there was something you could do to make him love you more or anything you could do to make him love you less. He just wants you and he wants me and he wants us to share that with those who do not know. Let's pray. God of the universe, as we navigate this transitional time between 2023 and 2024, as we navigate finals that are coming, as we navigate end of quarters, as we navigate family transitions, as we navigate health challenges, as we navigate financial challenges, as we live in a world that seems to be bent on destruction, a world that does not see people as people. Oh, we need, we need Jesus. And we need to live like you, Jesus. So help us. Help us to trust the promise. Help us to trust you in our process. Give us songs and scripture that encourage us. And in that process, change our hearts so that we can continue to reflect your love and grace in the world. Thank you for hearing and answering this prayer in Christ's name. All of God's people said amen. Hey, I'm so glad that you listened to the Night Church podcast sermon today. I know that God is going to do great things in your life. Whatever you felt and heard from the Lord through this sermon, I hope that you would share this with someone that you love and care about and that you would consider even joining us one Friday evening. Blessings to you and hope you get to listen to the next one coming up soon.